Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and I am John Davis. Last time I looked, and welcome to podcast number 116, 116 for Motor Week, and we're delighted to have you with us around our odd shaped table in Studio C at Motor Week Central is our odd collection of uh, staffers. <laughs> our producer writer, Brian Robinson. Oh, yeah. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Definitely the oddest. And our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Hey, how are you? And our writer producer, Patrick Lucas. I swear. Where we and this table get weirder every we have every a, time. We have well, I think weirdness is goodness, uh, and we've got a lot of not so weird cars to talk about today. We also have our lightning round, and we'll even have a viewer question. We're going to focus on new crossover utilities in our um, cars areas. I mean, after all, spring is here, and uh, you know the smaller crossovers are all in vogue. Uh, so we're going to kind of go down the list of uh, what's new, and a couple in the subcompact area, and a new midsizer. Let's start with the newest – well, it actually is the newest of the news because it's uh, as we speak, it's just beginning to roll into dealer showrooms. And that's the 2016 Honda HR-V. Uh, I've driven it. I know most of you have seen it. Uh, smaller than the CRV, um, a little bit larger motor than most uh, in this class, like the uh, Chevy Trax. Uh, what do you think? What you what you know about it so far? Yeah, I think what makes makes it is uh, it's based on the Fit chassis, which uh, is way more entertaining to drive than it should be, and uh, means it's got the magic seats inside for a room that uh, blows away anything else in the class. I agree. I was going to say, a lot of people like the fit. I personally like the fit, and this is just a f- basically, from my understanding, a fit with more room. Yeah, I mean, they like to claim that, you know, it's it's more changed than that, but it obviously uses the same basic uh, platform. And um, I, I was surprised how quiet it was, how well it rode and drove. I mean, it actually was entertaining to drive. has a very simple, straightforward uh, Honda interior. No tricks with the dashboard like the Civic or anything. Very straightforward. Um, I think they've got an instant hit on their hands, frankly. Uh, it's gonna, people are going to look at that and say... There are a lot of. There's a good selection of small SUVs out there, really small SUVs. But this one's not that small. It's got a little bit more power to it, and like you said, Brian, it's based on the fit. And if you can't wait for that new uh, five-door hatch Civic, just buy it when it's called the HRV. Yeah, that's basically it. As long as it has a turbo motor. <laughs> the uh, second uh, vehicle we're going to talk oh, about is 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 up in what in size. Well, small car, small segment. Small cars. <laughs> Let's talk about the other. Actually, while we before we jump to the larger one, let's talk about one that we've got a very firsthand knowledge of because we've had it in just recently to test. This is also in that subcompact crossover area, and that's the 2015 Jeep Renegade. Okay, traditional Jeep, no. Viable? What do you think? Well, the first thing I would say about it, it doesn't it doesn't seem as small to me as the subcompacts. I mean, it was a lot more room yeah, in there than I was expecting. Pretty roomy inside, yeah, even but, in the back seat too. Yeah, based on the pictures, I was expecting the thing to be tiny, but it's to me, I don't know that it is subcompact. It's a pretty decent size. 
It's based on the same chassis as the Fiat 500L and also the Fiat uh, X500X or X500. So it uh, you know it has some commonality with other Fiat-based vehicles. It's a global Jeep. They're basically hoping to sell it a lot more, I guess, in Asia and maybe even in Europe than they are here. I um, I like it. I I wasn't a fan of the Cherokee when it came out and that new styled Jeep mm-hmm. interior with that big fat steering wheel and all sorts of the the switchgear and all that stuff. I like it a lot more than the Renegade. It's got like a nice kind of youthful edge to it. Um, I like the way it looks. I don't know. I thought it was like a fun, cool kind of had just enough Jeep edge. Yeah, with just enough quirkiness to appeal to everyone, really. And just enough ruggedness up front to appeal to Jeep people that aren't quite sure if they want to go down that watered-down road, maybe. Um, there was a guy we ran into in a compass, was it? Yeah. That yeah. said that, yeah. <laughs> that uh, didn't like it, said it wasn't a real Jeep. They called that a Jeep. <laughs> from inside his compass. From, from a compass, yeah. he's actually casting stones? I don't agree with it, but it was kind of funny. Well, I think Jeep kind of knew that, and they went over the top, I feel, on making sure you know it's a Jeep. They yeah. have Jeep literally branded everywhere. In this and also, what, since 1941? Since 19. I swear, everywhere you look on this vehicle, it's there's some kind of Jeep heritage piece, and it's like they get to it. It got to a point where it's just too much. And when I first got in it, I wasn't a huge fan, but it did grow on me. Um, Actually, and I think one of the big things was we had a nice day, and I popped the tops off of it. And uh, talk about the tops. Yeah, the uh, I have two uh, removable roof panels. And they're really light, easy to take off. You got a special key, and of course, the key is actually a Jeep grill. So um, <laughs> it pop- weighs about five pounds. Yeah, it does, so you can't have it on your key ring. But yeah, they they come out really easy. The uh, they stow in the back, uh, really light, and it does it. It adds that kind of Jeep feel to it, open air, and uh, that was probably my favorite part. How did you guys feel about the fuel economy on that? Did you think that was a reasonable? fuel economy to have I think for 20, like that. Well, it's doing, what, about 23, 24? I took it for a, a, about 120 miles yeah. of good driving. I, I got close to 25. Mm. And the problem there is that the tank is so small. Oh, that the tank you is... You don't get any range got 200 miles of range. I, can't, we really? keep, I yeah. think we keep expecting these subcompact you know, SUVs to get us up into the 30s, and some of them will just about hit 30. So I was a little underwhelmed with it, I must say. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem too bad to me, mid 20s. You know, Probably not. I, I was uh, just trying to balance it. See, yeah, the um, pretty small. It does seem like it's got a pretty comp- competent. Uh, this one's got the the uh, up level of four wheel drive system or all wheel drive system. It had settings for mud and snow and sand, and uh, you could lock it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty impressed. You yeah. know, for a really crossover type vehicle yeah from the early pictures i mean it looked really some of the colors make it look almost cartoonish yeah in the pictures but uh you know having it in here and, and seeing it and driving it i mean it's it's solid they yeah. made it very jeep it's almost more jeep like than the uh cherokee the, yeah, i think i think <laughs> i would agree people, with that yeah, yeah i think actually my spouse did too yeah. um the uh, the last thing i'll say about it when they i had a chance to see it when they showed it to the press very early on and the only thing I don't like about it is I think the rear quarter doesn't look like Jeep at all. It's got that little upturn uh, window behind the C pillar that I don't know doesn't even. It looks a little European, looks a little Asian, looks a little. It looks doesn't look Jeep, but mm-hmm. that's my only real complaint. Hmm. Okay, and the last crossover we're going to talk about ever? really moves up <laughs> ever. No, just today moves up to the. Uh, mid-size class. Ford has finally redone the uh, Ford Edge. 
this was their first attempt at doing something other than a compact uh, crossover. Since then, of course, they've made the uh, Explorer into a crossover. This vehicle was uh, kind of badly in need of a redo. And what do you think? Uh, you've all had a chance to exceed it a little bit. This definitely um, is a white-hot segment lately, this oh, mid-size yeah. segment. And uh Granted, Edge did come out in 07, which is... It's a long time ago. That's when the first iPhone came out. (laughs) Put that in your head. (laughs) Anyway, they did a great job restyling it. It's definitely ready to compete with uh, Murano and Sorento. Um, I think that... And the styling will last for the whole whole run. There's plenty of room for mid-cycle refresh that could take it to the next level as well. Um, And the powertrains are amazing. I mean, your base engine now is a two-liter EcoBoost. And on this base model, you can also get all-wheel drive and a towing package. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. Start and the, and the base model it'll start you at twenty-eight thousand one hundred. Um, and there is a sport model EcoBoost, a two-point-seven liter, the same one that's in the F one hundred and fifty. Um, and if you guys, are, if you're scared of turbo motors, then there's a three point five liter mm-hmm. naturally aspirated V six too. All of them are six speed autos, no CVTs. So that's you know not everybody can say that. I was surprised how much I liked it. Uh, the first Edge, I didn't like at all. I thought it was a very lukewarm attempt. They kept improving it, and they've done a very good job. This one, I think it's right up there with the best in class as far as um, layout, uh, usefulness on the inside. Uh, you know, if you want three rows, you've got to go up to the Explorer. Uh, but when you compare it to something like uh, Santa Fe uh, Sport, or even the the larger Santa Fe, I think it comes off pretty good. It drives pretty nice too. It drives uh, like a sporty sedan would yeah. now. You haven't really spent uh, any time in it, but uh, it's physically bigger. But it, the new styling makes it look less bloated. I think. I think it looks I, good. I think the the sport yeah. is pretty mean looking, yeah. pretty aggressive yeah. looking. Ben, when yes. you drove it, did mm-hmm. you have any chance to try out the automatic parking system? Because the one thing that system has that so far we haven't seen, I believe, from anyone else, is it will actually pull out of the space for you. It will, yeah. And, and that I've got to give it to Ford because uh, I've been in a, a few systems that will park you, and mm-hmm. Ford seems to do it without flaw. The easiest to initiate. A lot of them are really tough to get to yeah, work Yeah, you right. really have to do the secret handshake, and <laughs> Ford... <laughs> Ford really has got it nailed down. It does pretty much everything for you. Parallel and perpendicular? Yeah. It'll do perpendicular as well. I mean, the biggest problem with those systems is the vehicle recognizing a spot that the the car can fit into. And Ford's Ford's setup doesn't seem to have a problem. it's real fast. You could actually use it real time and not not worry about not, people behind you, yeah, you know, honking not annoy the guy behind you. Getting annoyed. <laughs> uh, Ford actually has developed this. This is an outgrowth of a system they actually have developed in Europe, and I don't think they've they've marketed it yet. Where it will, you could actually get out of the vehicle if you're in a tight. Uh, slot in parking where you can't open the doors to get in and out of the car you can actually get out and control the car from either a keypad or your smartphone and it will park itself and then pull it out that's pretty scary and that's uh, that's a little scary but maybe that's why we haven't seen it here yet but they've, they've been working <laughs> on that a beer run for, for me that's yeah. when that'll be really interesting <laughs> beer mode demolition derby mode <laughs> All right, so that's the uh, latest in crossovers coming up. Uh, we'll have a lot more about the uh, Honda HRV, which we didn't talk as much about uh, on an upcoming edition of Motor Week. Sorry, but, um, Honda. 
We had the HRV. We talked a little about the Renegade and the Edge. And let's move on now to our lightning round, where our panelists have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. And when the time's up, Patrick will hit us with the bell. Ding, ding, ding. And uh, <laughs> that's our cue to sort of uh, wind it down, if not shut up all in- entirely. Okay. Nissan has announced the release of their driver attention alert system to combat distracted and drowsy driving. It monitors and learns driver habits on steering inputs and acceleration. And basically it can tell you, hey, maybe you should take a break and pull over for a little bit. We've seen similar systems in Mercedes-Benz and others. Ever found them useful? Do you think this one will catch on? Any comment about just the validity of these systems? I haven't experienced any of them or to know you know how they work. I've seen – I was on a Mercedes event when they first came out with theirs and seen some videos they had of people falling asleep in cars. Uh, they basically – Made their some of their engineers just drive constantly till they started nodding off. Hmm. But uh, that was so, a real world yeah. test. <laughs> so it's yeah, I mean it obviously works. And having seen firsthand, I've been on the interstate before and watched a truck driver fall asleep and run off the road. Uh, you know, if it works at all, it's definitely a good safety system to have, more so than some of the other ones we've got. Has anybody here ever basically been driving at night or after you're tired and wake <laughs> up and you don't know where you are? You've actually driven several miles. I've fallen asleep behind the wheel once. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so this system, many years ago, um, we were. I was in Tokyo for the auto show, and Nissan took us one of their labs, and they showed us a lot of the stuff that we thought would never show up, like the surround view camera and all that that's common now. And they were working on this system, and they basically had, as you nodded, if your head nodded forward, it would read your body motion. And uh, at the time, I'm not sure how extensive this particular system is. It's apparently on the Murano, or you can get it on the Murano, and you can get it on the new Maxima, which they just showed at the New York Auto Show. Yeah, what I was... I don't, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think it's a camera-based system like some of them. No, I, think I don't think it is. Yeah, it this, just senses your inputs. This yeah. One said, yeah, it uh, kind of monitors how you normally drive in terms of you know minute corrections in the steering wheel. And if it notices anything drastic yeah. out of character i guess yeah, or, or if yeah. you haven't made any input at all at yeah. a certain t- over a certain period of time yeah. but obviously this is you know this is like we're headed towards where there'll be a camera inside well watching i think the mercedes does mercedes that does that in already the, yeah, yeah. yeah um you know it's one of those things like gee i don't know but on the other hand i can think of probably about a half a dozen times where i'm probably lucky to be here and a system like that would have probably saved my bacon so yeah. so anyway save that bacon <laughs> save that bacon thank you very ding, much ding. <laughs> Okay, um, so drowsy driver systems, alert systems seem to have a place, and I have a feeling, since it's Nissan, we'll see this in a lot more vehicles pretty quickly. Let's move on now to uh, a viewer question. Lionel asks, and we get this one quite a a lot, how do you relieve moisture inside of a light fixture, meaning headlight housing or taillight housing? What do you think? I'm not sure how much you can really fix it. Yeah, it's it, kind of it'll just keep happening. That's the problem unless you actually go in and fix the the, the seal problem. Ben's got. I have solution. fixed the seal yeah. problem before. I mean, if you're out of warranty and you got no choice, and you don't want to fish one out of a junkyard, you can dry it out, try to figure out where it's leaking from. Usually, those 
pieces are pressed together between a front and a back. And a lot of times you can see a hairline crack in, in what is normally just two pieces of plastic melted together. You could drop a bead of uh, clear silicone over there, let it dry good, put it back. Hopefully you can't see the silicone when it's back in there, but I have done it once and it did work. Now, was your situation it leaking in, or was it condensation? It was, yeah, it was condensation. I, it yeah, was the condensation. question really didn't say if it was no. if it was a fish tank in there or if it was just a <laughs> condensation. Um, condensation. What I would try is just drill out the bottom, let it all drain out. I mean, if it was if it was puddled yeah. up in there, just let it all drain out, and then try to get a, a rubber stopper, plug it back up in the bottom, and figure out where it's coming in from. We've had brand new vehicles in here. I remember not too long ago we had a, um, well, it's been several years now, we had a very expensive uh, Range Rover here, well over six figures. And every morning you came out, there was about a half an inch of water in, in one of the headlights. And it would go away during the day, but of course it would cloud up as it would uh, evaporate. So it was getting in, but it wasn't necessarily getting out of it. Um, I you know if it was mine first thing I'd look is the if it has a bulb a removable bulb see if that seal is in good shape, but actually your idea I think of drilling a very small hole in the bottom so it could drain might be the, the best idea of all. Yeah, and then figure out where it's coming in from. Yeah. Okay, I hope Lionel that helps a little bit with the problem and keeps you from having to go out and buy a new headlight or taillight housing because these days those can be extremely expensive. And that brings to a close our Motor Week uh, podcast number 116. I want to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes us sound better than we have any right to sound. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Our podcast producer, Patrick Lucas, the man with the bell. Uh, And around the table, Brian Robinson, road test producer Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, and of course Patrick and myself. Thank you all for listening to our podcast, and we hope you'll catch Motor Week on your local public television station each and every week, and also weekly on the great cable channel Velocity. Till then, I'm John Davis from all of us at Motor Week. Thanks for watching and listening, and be willing. Uh, be I can never get it out right. Watching and listening and being with us here on Motor Week. You wouldn't know I make a living talking. Thanks, Jim. Roll the tape. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com and by Die Hard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.